everyone, and welcome to the Riffing on Realness podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving entrepreneurs, and with me is Juliette Fay, a poet and three principles facilitator. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality, and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Juliet and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable, can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Carla. So Juliet and I were just talking about social media and the craziness of the world. <laughs> and we do we do talk about this a lot, you know, just everything that's going on with the pandemic and social unrest and political unrest. And, you know, we are very close to an election here in the States. Um, I'm not sure what all's going on in your part of the world, Juliet. I would love to hear from you about that in a few minutes. But um, one of the things that has happened for me is that uh, two, three weeks ago, I was working with a, an entrepreneurial client who was really struggling with his phone in terms of just feeling tethered to it and even unconsciously reaching for it when he didn't want to. And so we talked through and came together, we came up with a plan that he was going to turn his phone off at 6 p.m. at night and not turn it back on until 9 a.m. the next day. And part of what was pulling at him, of course, was social media, but also he's got a very successful business that's exciting. And so he, you know, people are constantly sort of pinging him for work related things. And he didn't want to miss that, but he also saw how it was interfering in his life. So he decided, now he's 29. So, I mean, you could, you know, the phone is like it, he's had the phone, an iPhone or some sort of, you know, mobile phone all of his life. <laughs> this is part of who he is. And so I, I just felt so proud of him that he decided to do this. And then in our next session, a few days later, I said, well, how's it going? He said, oh, my gosh. He says, it's really hard. He said, but I'm doing it. And. I'm finding that I'm having all of these fresh new ideas, these creative ideas, just constantly now that I've shut down my phone. And so I was thinking about that and thinking about how I've been feeling a little bit dull, you know, a little bit consumed. Well, okay, I'll admit it, Juliet, a lot consumed by social media. And I thought, man, here I am coaching these people and I'm their coach. I need to at least be taking my own advice. So I decided to cut my phone off at 6 p.m. as well. And what I've noticed, it's been about a week now. What I've noticed is that um, I'm sleeping better. I'm not a good sleeper. One of the things is I am absolutely sleeping better. The other thing I notice is that um, the next day when I do turn on the phone and I scroll social media before I start work, I haven't missed a thing, Juliet. I have not missed one thing by cutting my phone off at 6 p.m. And I also am really enjoying that last hour before bed. I'm putting on some great music, classical music, other kinds of music. Um, I'm doing my stretches again, which I had neglected. And it's just like I'm going to bed in such a much more peaceful way. And my whole nervous system 
is a little bit more relaxed. And I'm still able to stay up with, you know, what I need to know about what's going on politically, socially, all that good stuff. So I thought it would be a really interesting conversation to have today. Oh, that's very, yes, very timely. Uh, we were saying in the uh, just before we came on that some of you might have seen the film, The Social Dilemma, that's a documentary film on Netflix. It's been on Netflix and the UK and the US, all about social media. And um, I just I just love also the, the parallel, which I guess we'll get into. Because as you were speaking there, that that thing of not being able to put the phone down, which, and me too, um, sort of almost obsessive checking of messages or notifications or updates. And particularly, we were saying some of us run Facebook groups for through our business or community activities. Um, it can be very compelling. And um, and it just struck me the parallel is is with our personal thinking how compelling that can be to to go into uh, just repetitive thought loops train of you know trains of thought that at one level we probably know are not very helpful to us but they're, they're very compelling those sort of habitual ways of thinking and social media and its pull on us is um is just a really great parallel because it's not until you stop kind of um, feeding that that compulsion that you realize how often you were doing it how much energy it takes and I think you said uh, just before we came on and, and you perhaps repeated there that you're getting or you or your client were getting fresh ideas now that's very interesting too I'd love to explore that more you know what what is you know what is really going on when we compulsively check you know what's what are we what are we doing in our thought system and what do, what happens when we can leave that be, albeit it might not feel very easy, but it's, it, I'd love to explore that more with you, Carla. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, it's also very uh, addictive. And of course, we know that that the uh, social media people or whoever create these phones, they, they, they actually have researched the psychology and they have intentionally made it con uh, uh, addictive. And both I and my client realize that I, I, I literally, at times, if my phone is sitting over here and I've made a decision not to check it, um, I find habitually that my hand, without my awareness, is reaching out for my phone. And it's like I have to interrupt that pattern because it's become so habitualized and it's mm -hmm. so addictive. And of course, you know, what the, what they've done with these sites and with this phone is, is they know that our brains crave these little dopamine, these little hits of dopamine. And, and our brains just crave it. They just crave the little hits. That's why they've made the, the notifications and the thumbs up. I've turned off all the notifications on my phone um, other than my messages because, I'm you know, in case family needs me. But, yeah, it's designed to be addictive. It's designed to draw us in. And what was interesting was I've known for months that I needed to back off on my social media consumption. And it just felt so overwhelmingly hard, Juliet. What's interesting is the minute that I did it, like said, I'm not going to look at my phone after 6 p.m. I'm not going to look at social media after 6 p.m. Honestly, it was easy. I, 
it was easy. Now I did, you know, reach a couple of times habitually, but it was just so easy. Once I just made the commitment to myself, it's been really easy and it's been an incredible relief. And I think that what you're talking about with our personal thinking is very much the same. It's like, it just becomes this, this compelling habit, um, whatever that rabbit hole that we've We've gone down for decades, at least in my case, um, for years in younger people's cases. It's just this habitual thing that it feels like we can't detach from it. But what 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 you're saying and, and what I'm recognizing is that, yes, yes, actually, we can interrupt that. We can detach from that. We can um, stop grasping that so hard in those those habitual ways of thinking can um, flow through us much more easily. And on the other side of that, we find so much more creativity available to us, among other things. Yeah, it's like when we unclog the thought system, isn't it? It gives that space for the sort of creativity to come in, fresh thinking to come in. I love that. And I was thinking too that um, there's another beautiful parallel in that you know, the, the power of thought that we have is, you know, we often talk about it, it's a gift mm-hmm. and we can, you know, use it against ourselves or we can use it to create. And actually social media feel, feels very much the same. The technology that's created it, the, the way it allows us to connect with people around the world you know, there are many, many examples of amazing things that happen as a result of social media, which are, if you like, for humanity. Mm-hmm. But we know there's also an awful lot that happens with social media that you could say is not for humanity. It's very, very much works against um, human beings thriving and cooperating. And like so many things in life, you know, it's not the tool itself perhaps that's the problem although we've both seen that documentary and and we can see the ways it's set up to grab attention um but it is interesting that that parallel too that it's it's sort of what we do with it so some of your clients and some of mine and you and I we all use social media to to make connections to build our businesses to build uh, community sites and these often have uh, you know are, are a positive impact in the world mm-hmm. uh, but I love that you're uh, well you didn't quite say this but what I'm, I'm guessing and you can you could talk more about it is you turning your phone off at six hasn't been to the detriment of any of that building your business you know connecting with people all that mm-hmm. you have just um, you've just made sure that it's a tool, not 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 a you know not your boss. Basically, the, the social media is is it's almost yeah. When it runs our life, when our hands going for the phone and we and we just compulsively look, which I do too all the time. Um, it's yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it's not really it's not it's not satisfying that that 
that kind of craving, is it? Because otherwise you do it once and you wouldn't need to keep doing it. So I, I'm just really, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm very intrigued by the parallels. But is anything coming up for you? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that, uh, once again about our brain's negativity bias and how we gravitate, how we're just hardwired to see and grab onto the negative. And, um, uh, you know, I'm thinking about another client who I recommend who's very amped up about all that's going on politically. And it is, it is, I mean, there is like, at least in our country right now, Juliet, it does feel like a matter of survival. It really does feel like it's like we are in the midst of, of danger. And so when I recommended to one of my clients that she um, reduce her social media and, and news consumption, uh, she she was really resistant to the idea because she felt like she was not safe and um, that she had to check to make sure that, that you know, that, that where she, uh, the part of the world she lives in, in the United States, um, it felt really unsafe to her and, and that she couldn't risk being off of the news and social media for even a moment. And, you know, I, and I think that's really, really interesting when when it is hitting a place of of fundamental survival. You know, how do we how, and I have a different view. You know, my view is, no, I'm not. My fundamental survival in this moment isn't being threatened. It could be tomorrow or the next day. But but right this minute, I'm perfectly safe sitting here having this discussion with you. Um, so, you know, how do we sort of override that enough to settle into this present moment where we're probably not in imminent danger? You know, how, how do we do that? Um, you know, and I think that social media is in a way designed to, to trigger that in us, that, that feeling of imminent danger. Uh, but I, and, and I do think there's some things going on in this country right now that there is some imminent danger in some cases around. So I'm just, I'm just sort of, uh, um, you know, um, yeah, how, how, how do I help someone like that? How do I help myself when I'm feeling threatened, when I'm really not being threatened? And how do I help myself when I really am being threatened? And I think that part of what it comes down to is trusting um, that our system is designed to survive. Our system is designed to, to protect us when we are in imminent danger, but our system is not designed to live in a state of amped upness every minute of all day. It, it's not designed to do that. Yeah. It, yeah, and that state... It's sort of, <clears throat> if we've talked about this on other episodes, but, you know, if you're in a very adrenalized state of, as you said, you know, fear of imminent danger, actually, whether or not you are in imminent danger, the feeling state would probably be the same. You know, we know there'd be a biochemical reaction in your body. And it's really uh, easy to sort of, feel that social media or the news channels are giving you that feeling mm -hmm. and this is the sort of a beautiful place to begin to notice that 
I mean, I notice for myself, I look at the news when I feel I'm more likely to look at the news when I'm feeling uneasy than when I'm feeling peaceful. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I don't look at the news if I'm feeling peaceful, but there is something about, you know, it's almost like you're, you know, and I kind of, I do, I like to think I know better than to go to the news to get rid of that feeling of unease, because what does it do? You know, looking at the news, it looks like the news makes me feel more uneasy. But what I know to be true is that in a state of unease or fear, anything I look at, I will find, you know, will be fearful or make me feel more uneasy because I'm bringing that state of mind to what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of, um, you know, self-fulfilling um, circle that when, and I've, I've seen that about social media before is that, you know, if you're feeling very, if you feel that the world is a lovely place and, and uh, harmonious and you go on social media, and I think that that pr- program almost almost bears this out, the algorithms will give you what you're looking for. That's right. So if I linger on a beautiful, one of your beautiful photographs, Carlo, you know, of a, of a, a wildlife photograph, and I linger on it, the algorithms actually will show me more wildlife photographs. I mean, it's actually true. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful parallel for how our minds work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I skip past your beautiful photograph and then I... I um, I click and linger on a post that's telling me, um, I don't know, about economic decline or um, death rates. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Then the algorithms will give me more articles like that to have a look at. That's right. And this is exactly how our mind works. So if, if I look out, if I wake up in the morning and I feel that the world is fundamentally hostile, my safety is threatened, then whether that is objectively true or not, I will view the world through that lens. That's right. I will see threat and danger everywhere, uh, both online and, and in real life. And you can see how in the time we live now where people might well be um, spending far more time within the four walls, working from home, living, you know, not going out so much, not socialising in person, that you can end up in an echo chamber. Yes, and if your fears rise, then uh, and then you go to social media and the news, um, likely it, you will be more ramped up. And in a more ramped up state, the threat level looks higher. So your client who feels she, she needs to stay in, in contact with the news, you know, there's a perfect logic to that mm-hmm. in that amped up state. But when we begin to realise that, we can connect with something deeper and actually looking to do that even though it might be counterintuitive in an amped up state is going to always going to be more helpful to us than reading more news or scrolling through more page you know more feeds on social media they will only ever give us back what we're already the state we're already in so that makes sense you might be able to say it in a in a different way Carla but no it does make sense and I think that social media thrives on the echo chamber it thrives there and I I, um, in the last year I can't remember exactly when I read a book called factfulness 
I can't remember the name of the author. We'll put that in the show notes, but factfulness. And um, this guy was talking about how he, you know, really, Juliet, things are getting better. The, The research shows that things are getting better. Now, you wouldn't know that by watching um, social media right now. You would not know that. But the evidence shows that things overall, in terms of looking back through humanity, things are getting better. Now, it doesn't mean to say that we don't have hiccups, that we don't, you know, that we're not, go, you know, we're, we're going in a, in a direction, but there are dips and there are valleys. So it's, you know, and I think at least in the States right now, we're certainly in a, in a bit of a dip. But when you look at the whole thing, we're actually moving in a very positive direction. And, and um, this factfulness book, I really recommend it. It was, it was very, very interesting to me. And it talks about how we get caught in uh, the black and white thinking, in the rigid thinking, in the uh, very um, 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 narrow thinking um, and how that how that actually harms us and does is not helpful to us and we do that with our own thinking too don't we that the the beliefs that we were um, given as children through our families through our religions through our culture um, and we've decided that all of that is the truth and it's not <laughs> not to say that there's not truth in there but it's not the truth. And so, yes, I think that we we definitely, um, you know, and again, back to the brain wanting to keep us safe. Um, the, the brain thinks that by worrying, it's keeping us safe, but really it just kind of keeps us amped up and um, keeps us focused in a, in, on the problem rather than the solution. And it's very extremely limiting. And then we get validated by the echo chamber that we're in. By all the people around us saying, yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yes, it's horrible. Yes, they're horrible. And yet, and it keeps us so divided that we can't find our way to one another anymore. We can't find our way to ourselves anymore. And I think that was part of what I was recognizing with my, um, especially, you know, when, well, I won't go into that. But, but it's like I was recognizing that I was starting to feel pretty shut down and kind of out of touch with myself out of touch with life because I was just so consumed by this social media. And, and as you, as we mentioned earlier in this episode, um, I, not much fresh was coming in because I was constantly keeping alive all of this stress by being inundated on social media and the news. I do think we have a responsibility as good citizens to be aware, to be, to know what's going on, but you know, humanity has survived for how many millennia without 24-7 news in the background? I mean, I remember as a child, what, you had news once a day for an hour? And you had your newspaper. And that was it. And we all survived some really hard times. We can do it again. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny to think, isn't it, that print newspapers, I mean, they took time to put together. Mm-hmm. So by the time you bought the newspaper, mm-hmm. you know, even if it was a daily paper, those stories have been were being gathered and put together. <clears throat> you know, so there was that, uh, that delay between um, 
which we don't have now. You know, news is, is, as you say, instant. But I'm really loving the idea that social media might be a gift for us all to because it's it's sort of giving us an external mirror to how, how our minds work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you look at the flip side of social media, how uh, it has brought together, I mean, we've seen during this year, you know, all sorts of people in the in the arts have put together incredible um, performances and shows via online media and um broadcast those through Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, giving their audiences a way to connect, which which was, was sort of unthinkable before to have been done on the scale it's been done. And also in, in terms of activism, you know, it, it's uh, things like the Arab Spring, social media played a huge part in bringing people together to, to protest and, um, and make their voices heard. And so, I mean, I love the metaphor of it being like the power of thought um, and and also the being very amped up. And I loved what you were saying there about, you know, you had that sense of disconnect, which we can all get at any time. But recognising that and, and sort of literally putting the phone down is very similar to leaving our thinking alone mm-hmm. when it's when we notice that we we're feeling um I mean I use the word constricted you know when my mind and heart feels open and free it feels like feelings can come and go fresh thinking can come in and it doesn't mean I feel great all the time I might feel fed up or irritated or melancholy but there's movement you know there's movement and and that feels to me when I've got more we'll use your word when I feel more connected when things start to feel constricted and stuck and heavy, like you were saying about the, you know, whether that com- comes can come about in a kind of racing mind or just a bit of dullness, I think you mentioned right at the beginning, where you just feel the fresh, the zest for life, the fresh ideas. It's just like it's been damped down a little bit. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, you could do a whole, a whole sort of um, study of you know, as social media is the metaphor, because I, I share quite a lot of my poems and artwork on social media. And, you know, yes, it's really nice when when people uh, comment on the poems. But I think part of why I share is because I've I've created something. And so when I put that out on social media, there's something about I appreciate when other people do this there's something about original content mm-hmm. that is not um sort of sharing what what we've seen because it's so easy to share on Facebook isn't it or Instagram you know it's just a quick click and you share that and share that and you know whatever and so for me sharing original content is I guess I see that as a gift into the echo chamber. Here you are. I'm, hopefully this is something beautiful. It might touch you in some way. I'm not trying to, um, you know, persuade you of something. I'm not trying to sell you something. This is just a creative work and I'm like throwing it out into the ether. And I know that that feels different for me doing that um versus say when I'm scrolling kind of slightly obsessively and just um <laughs> going mm, mm, you know don't like that don't 
like that or oh no what about that and it's got such a different feeling so that's just back I think to the metaphor that our own minds the power of thought can take it it's all the same thing but it can take us down rocky roads where we get stuck and it feels sort of crunchy or it can take us to delights of of new thinking new um actions we hadn't thought of new connections we haven't yet made Mm -hmm. so i love it fascinates me that it can be both Mm -hmm. and um, how much more is there for us to see around that with our own minds yeah i mean you know what i love about what you're doing juliet with your poetry and your um your drawings which are so delightful and wonderful is that um, you're being, you're, you're, you know, that fresh content, it, you are revealing yourself. You, you're just putting yourself out there. And of course, this podcast is called Riffing on Realness. And one of the, the worst parts of social media is how it um, obscures who we really are. We want to put out the perfect thing, the perfect image, you know, perfectly quaffed, if you will, and and um, and I, I know for me, when people just post things and post things that aren't original, they're just resharing and again and again and again. I mean, I, I just I just kind of um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Glaze glaze over. Yeah. But when I see something fresh, it really intrigues me when I see something authentic, you know, if people share an article and they have nothing original to say about it. I I mean, I just often just just keep going. Uh, And so I love that you're sharing something authentic and that uh, because social media really gives a lot of pressure to conform what you know, to conform to the rigid right or the rigid left. Uh, You know, if you if you post something and you're and you're left, let's say, and you don't buy in completely to the party line of the left, you're going to get some, um, you're going to get some pushback. The same on the right. If you step out of your lane just a little bit, you're going to get pushback and people are going to think you're a traitor. It's really, really interesting. So it takes a lot of courage to be real, to be authentic, to put out a fresh idea. You know, it, that takes originality, that takes creativity, that takes courage and authenticity. And I would love to see more of that. Yeah, and, and, and I'm seeing too that, that that being real and putting out more authentic things, I mean, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, artworks or, or poetry or what we might think mm-hmm. of traditionally as creative things. Um, I, we've just recently, in the last week, launched a Buy Nothing Project community facebook group here talking of social media and this is it's just been a tremendous learning for me i've been exploring it for quite a few months but there is something in the uh so it's building a hyper local gift economy and there's something absolutely wonderful to see that in the very simple act of saying um you know i i've got too many books i'm going to give away these three books or um you know i've got a spare remote control for the tv would anybody like it what could be seen as such a simple tiny small thing because this is hyper local so it connects neighbors and because 
in order to give it away and for somebody to receive it, there has to be some conversation and then eventually a, an actual drop off of the items. And it could be it could be talents and time as well. It's not just um, things that that creativity that we're talking about, that authenticity, even in the way people make these requests and the way they post the items they have to give away, you begin to see something of the person. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there was um, a lovely item, a bedspread was posted and I saw in the comments that a second photograph saying, and it said, uh, this photograph shows the colours better. And I thought that person cares about, the, you know, this. She, she likes this item. She wants people to see it in its best possible light. And it's such a tiny little point there, but... It's an antidote to what you were talking about, the sort of tribalism, um, the the sort of um, let's I'm right and, you know, everybody else is wrong and I'm more right than you and you're not right enough, even though you're in my camp, all that kind of thing you're talking yes, about. Yes. <laughs> and this is just such it's so simple. And I, I'm, I'm finding it hard to grasp the words to, to put it into words. But I think it's us noticing that the things we've overlooked, the simple, authentic connection with other people, but then most of all with ourselves, that's where everything else flows from. Yeah. That is beneficial in our world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things come to my mind as you as you're speaking and you know, one of the things is it's like we, we aren't we aren't suggesting that there's that social media is bad and wrong. Um, I love I love technology and social media. I do. I, I really, really love it. But the question is, do you have social media or does social media have you? Do you have the technology or does the technology have you? You know, if it's fine to invite the technology and social media along for the ride. But you need to make certain, I need to make certain that I'm in the driver's seat. If I'm reaching unconsciously for my phone, then I have a problem. I have a problem that I need to address, that I need to wake up to and, 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 and uh, take back my life from social media. The other thing I was thinking was um, about, I remember a couple years ago, a neighbor right across the street, she's moved since then, but... Um, my partner and I have a little boat that we like to take out into the Gulf. And um, I, one day I texted my neighbor. She's right across the street now. I text her and say, hey, you want to go out on the boat? And she checked back and said, no, I can't today, but thanks for asking. That was it. But imagine if I had gone over, knocked on her door and say, hey, we're going out on the boat. Would you like to join us? She would have said, no, thank you. I can't do it today. Um, you know, let me know next time. And then I guarantee a little bit of a conversation would have started to happen. How are you doing? What's going on? You know, what's, why can't you go on the boat? You know, what do you have going on? And, you know, I, and we would have had this connection that we didn't get because I sat here rather than walking a hundred yards or 50 yard less across the street and knocking on my neighbor's door. And that's what's happened is like we, there's, there's, it, you know, it, it does like, like, I love the fact, Juliet, that you and I can connect across all of this vast ocean. I love it. I wouldn't know you without this technology. I would not have the opportunity and the privilege of knowing you without it. So I'm incredibly grateful. 
But if you live across the street from me and I text you instead of walking across there, then it limits my um, connection with you. And, and, and I think that's a real disservice. And I think that's part of why or how we've become so polarized and disconnected from ourselves as well and from all of life, really. Yeah, that's uh, that's such a great example. And and actually, uh, Paul, my partner, just uh, I came up with this phrase that I absolutely love. You know, we're talking about the Buy Nothing Project, but actually maybe we're just talking about life here, that it's relational, not transactional. Yes. And, and I just love that way of putting it because it... It, it just hit the nail on the head in your story there. The text exchange is just transactional. Here's an offer. Yes or no. You know, thank you. Whatever. Relational, like you say, and it happens absolutely naturally amongst humans. You know, when you if you've been on the doorstep and we're seeing this, you know, with with drop offs and pickups and things, you know, people just naturally seem to, um, you know, you you learn a little bit about people. You you they offer things in their conversation and and then you do and that's and that's kind of what makes the world go round i mean i've always known this if we were meant to be you know widgets on a on an assembly line you know then we wouldn't have all the range of feeling and emotion and everything that we can experience because it wouldn't be necessary in fact it would just get in the way and i think one of the things that we're waking up to at this time <laughs> is that like you know things can get out of balance and technology is fantastic for making transactions incredibly efficiently and you know easily we all know we can sit in our living room and if we have access to the internet buy almost anything we want with one click never speak to a human being about that transaction and of course that's fantastic if you need something urgently you can get it but it's only a tiny, tiny part of what being human is about. And I would say it's the lesser part of what being human is about. Fulfilling our one-click needs, we all know it's not ultimately satisfying. Whereas the richness of connection you can get, I mean, you know, the Buy Nothing Project would be like of borrowing a cup of sugar. That's, you know, that's almost the symbol of it. Um, it's... it's gives you far more than than the ingredients to bake a cake. Mm -hmm. I was uh, reading a um, quote or a little little story about who was it? And a famous author, I can't remember. And he told his wife, this is the story. He told his wife, he said, I'm going to go out and buy an envelope. And she said, well, honey, just go online and get a whole bunch of envelopes. I mean, that's ridiculous to go out and buy one envelope. And he said, oh, no. I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to buy an envelope because who knows what I'm going to experience when I go out there in the world and who I might meet and, and what trees I might see and what birds I might see and what stories from the people in the line waiting to buy whatever I'm going to discover by going out into the world. And I think that he's speaking to, to just what you're saying. You know, it's not a transaction. It's a, it's a relationship. And that's what realness is about, isn't it? That, you know, I love Juliet, like, like we are using technology right now, but this is not a transaction. This is a relate. We, we hop on the, the, the Zoom call before we hit record and we check in with each other to see how we're doing. 
you know, we take 15 minutes. And how are you, Julia? I'm fine. You know, this is going on. Or how are you doing, Carla? Well, I'm okay, but I'm feeling this or I'm irritated or, I'm, you know, or I'm excited or whatever. We really check in and connect before we ever hit record. Then when we hit record, you know, we're having a relationship. We're having a, I mean, we, we didn't even really know each other before this, but now I would say that we love each other that we have now developed a relationship where we love each other across all these miles. We love each other. We have this relationship and we are creating something much bigger than what I can create by myself and then what you can create by yourself. And then when people uh, listen to this podcast, they are then creating even more, you know, they're creating something even bigger. And like you were saying with your art and your, your uh, poetry, it has this ripple effect that we don't even know. I ha- I got a um, message. I was sending a message to a friend of mine yesterday. And then we, we said a couple of things. And then she said, oh, by the way, I love your podcast. And I've been sending it to all my friends. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It was just sort of a by the way. And it, that's what, I'm, what, what you're speaking to is that relational rather than transactional thing and I I, it just is it's exciting and we get to be real with each other and not have to have on these these you know magazine smiles and these facades and be perfectly quaffed and we can just we can just riff yeah (laughs) absolutely I love I love that and I I have the same sense that the podcast you know doing, doing the podcast for me is a joy and and we we give ourselves this time 40 minutes or so for each episode but as you said with the extra time you know we we're doing this each week at the moment and uh, i speaking for myself i really look forward to jumping on here because we've carved out this time we've said that's what we're doing and we and as you said carla there's a way in which the listeners are here with us even though it's you and me on the screen right now i can only see you but i'm aware that this is for a wider audience even just subliminally aware and i feel like that we are by you and i giving ourselves permission saying this matters coming together in conversation riffing on what's real you know getting curious about what's what's true in sort of in a deeper way than our surface worries and concerns, that we're inviting others to, like our, our little sort of um, intro says, you know, to slow down, tune in, listen for their own wisdom. So it's this beautiful kind of virtuous circle where we're having so much fun, we get to slow down and do exactly that and 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 invite wisdom to kind of show up and, and we're inviting you to do the same. And just because those kind of things don't typically show up on a balance sheet, you know, maybe culturally we've kind of forgotten how much they matter because you, you speak to anyone. I mean, I can just imagine people smiling and nodding along in these last couple of stories about connecting with people. You don't need to convince anybody that that's important. We know it is in our hearts. We know it is. That's right. And maybe it's just about celebrating it a bit more and, mm. and giving everybody permission to say, you know, go and have a chat with someone you love or with a complete stranger. <laughs> because just like the story with the man going to buy an envelope, you have no idea what treasure might be waiting for you. 
That's exactly right. And we are about at our time, Juliet. And I just want to encourage our listeners to just what you said, to, to, to try to seek a deeper connection um, beyond the talking points of social media, beyond what your particular um, tribe is, is believing and saying. And, 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 and I invite people just to experiment with um, limiting your amount of news and social media time and see and just find out for yourself if in fact you're missing anything by doing that. I know, as I mentioned, that I, I see that when I get up and, and turn my phone back on, um, I'm seeing the same articles I saw yesterday morning still. Maybe a little something new here or there, but nothing that couldn't wait um, for those hours. And so I invite our listeners as you're feeling the chaos and the stress and the anxiety and even the fear um, that that you that you experiment with limiting some of that so that you can experience a little bit more peace in your day and not be so overcome. Do you have anything to add for the listeners before we sign off? Well, I think I, I need to experiment with the turning the phone off at 6 p.m. <laughs> Although it, that's tricky. That is tricky, I'm just going to say for me, because my partner's in a different time zone. <laughs> Well, but you could be, you could talk to him, but that doesn't mean you have to be on social media. Exactly. So I think that sounds like a great experiment. I'll let you know how we get on. Great. Thank you so much, Juliet. It's always a joy. I missed you last week, Juliet, and I did not meet last week for the first time since we began because uh, it was a crazy week. And it's wonderful to reconnect with you, Juliet. And uh, thank you listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. And we'll we'll, uh, tune in again for the next episode. You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Juliet Fay. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at CarlaRoyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. Juliet loves freedom of mind, which she explores and shares through poetry and conversations. Find her at soulcare.org. That's soulcare, S-O-L-C-A-R-E.org. We'll see you next time on Riffing on Realness. Mm-hmm.